0: to the Gospel of Luke. You guys know where that is? New Testament, third book of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Is this reliable? We tend to ask that question uh, when it comes to a number of different things. I ask that question whenever I'm about to make a major significant purchase, whether it would be a new car, uh, television, some type of technology. I was certainly asking that question when I was about to purchase my first house. I wanted a home inspector who went over the house with a fine tooth comb because I'm the type of guy that walks into the place and I don't see anything. There could be a major crack in the floor somewhere right under my nose and I wouldn't see it. We ask that kind of question of people too, don't we? Is she reliable? Can I trust her to manage my money? Is he the type of person that I would want out at that front desk representing my business? When my beautiful daughter Lexi begins dating, and that's coming, I guess, sooner than I want it to, maybe 25, 30, I don't know, somewhere in there. Whoever is foolish enough to come into my house and say, may I date your daughter, will be assumed guilty until proven innocent. (laughs) We place a high premium on reliability, but uh, determining whether something is reliable or is not reliable, that's not so easy, is it? (laughs) We live in the age where we hear all the time about spin and propaganda, and bias, and that's their interpretation. And you know the common or the current buzzwords that are out there, fake news. It can feel a little foggy. Trying to discern what is true and what is false, what is reliable, and what is just another con. I'm sure that you feel that pressure, and I'm sure that you've asked that type of question Uh, when it comes to religious matters as well. Which religion is reliable? Which religious figure speaks plainly the unfiltered words of God? How would I know the difference? I think those are important questions. I think those are the type of questions that we should ask because uh, not all faiths are made equal. Faith must be held up by facts. Facts. Faith matters, but it is only as powerful and as strong as it is reliable. Uh, We're taking a grand leap from where I left us. (laughs) We were in the book of Genesis. We finished that off. I think it took us a long time to get through it. Many of you were saying amen when we got to chapter 50. Now we're jumping forward into the New Testament third book, Gospel of Luke. But i got to tell you, these two books are not that different from one another. You remember when we looked at Genesis, we saw that Genesis was pointing forward to someone. And now Luke is a biography about that someone. It was Thomas Carlyle who said this, the history of the world is but the biography of great men. He was a 19th century Scottish philosopher he developed this great man theory. It was the belief that history turns on the decisions, works, ideas, and characters of heroes. But according to the Bible, the history of the world is but the biography of one great man. That's right. Much of the world didn't feel his impact until many years after his death. He marshaled no army, he wrote zero books. He never made a law, per se, that was then put into some type of law system. He lived during the time of the Great Roman Empire, and this empire ruled the then known world. It was the major military power, economic power, governing power of the world. You would think that uh, someone who was remembered from this time, from this era, would have been one of the great emperors of the Roman Empire. But you go to Rome today, and what do you see of their civilization? Nothing but a bunch of runes. But Jesus is remembered by billions. More books have been written about Jesus. Uh, Nations have used his word as the bedrock of their governance. Schools, hospitals, humanitarian works have been found in his name. I could go on and on and on. In fact, that's why I'm naming this series Gospel Revolution. The life, the teaching, the claims of Jesus, the aftermath of Jesus, the future expectation that Jesus is coming again has the power to revolutionize your life. It was nothing short of a revolution when he came and these things happened. But, you know, we got to ask the question again why is he a big deal? And is he reliable? Can we know for certain? Is the real Jesus? lost in the spin, the propaganda, the fake news? Or is there reliable historical record that grounds our understanding of Jesus? And maybe here's an even more important question that you have to ask yourself. What does it matter? What does it matter about some man who lived 2,000 years ago, who did some good works and taught certain things? What does that have to do with my life today? And I want to tell you this. I would suggest that Jesus should be taken very seriously. Why? Because of the claims he made. He said, I am the Son of God. He said, I have the power to forgive sins... He said, I am the only way to God. And probably his biggest claim of all was this, I have the same authority as God. I mean, think about it. If, if those claims are true that he's making, it changes everything about my life and the decisions I make. If those claims are true, then in all of history, his life, his teaching, His way matters most. So we pick up in this Gospel of Luke, and we're going to just look at the first four verses. So if you're there, um, I'm going to read those to you. He writes, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Now, here's the first thing I want you to observe When you look at this body of text that we're looking at, there's a big title on it, isn't there? It says, the gospel according to who? Luke. Luke. That's right. That's in your English Bible. The first writings of any one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, were anonymous. That was not uncommon with biography during this day. But we believe that Luke did write this. And there's several reasons for that. So who is he? Who is Luke? Well, he was a physician. He was a companion of Paul. He was a Gentile. A Gentile was a non-Jewish person. Why do I think that he wrote it? I think there are some strong, solid evidence. The first is that the early church fathers who wrote within about 100 years of Luke almost unanimously say that Luke wrote this. When you think about them ascribing it to Luke, you would think that if they were just simply trying to bolster a a body of work and say this is something you should really take uh, time to examine, they would probably use a name that's a little more prominent and significant than Luke, wouldn't you? But they didn't. They used his name. And you also think about this. A hundred years from the time of writing something is not that much time in history. We're not really questioning who the major figures were in the Civil War or the events where they took place. We're not asking if documents were really written by these people, are we? Another thing that we notice is Luke probably um, wrote Luke and Acts together as a companion guide to tell about Jesus and the continuing effect of Jesus' ministry. When you get into the book of Acts, there are these passages called we passages. That's where the the writer of Acts is actually along for the ride with Paul. And when you look through the book of Acts, I challenge you, can you find the name Luke in there? You can't. Why? Well, I think it's because he's the (laughs) we. We see in Colossians 4.14 that Paul identifies Luke as a companion. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Uh, Luke was probably one of Paul's closest companions. Paul probably led him to Christ. He went along with him for the journey. And in 2 Timothy, we also see that Luke was the only one with Paul when he was in that prison setting where he was about to be executed. Luke alone is with me. So what does it matter? Why does it matter who wrote this? I think it's this. The key word is credibility. We want to know who wrote something, why they wrote something, whether or not uh, they are authoritative on the matter. We live now today in the YouTube generation, right? Right? And some people don't really care that much about authority or expertise when it comes to particular subject matter. I was having a lunch just this past Friday with Andrew Laux, and we were talking about this, how some people think someone spouting off on YouTube is equally as authoritative as someone writing for the Wall Street Journal. But it doesn't matter what you think in that, credibility matters, Okay? If someone doesn't know anything about a subject matter, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't mean a hill of beans what they have to say about it. Let's put this into context. Uh, When I am determining whether or not a car is roadworthy for me to go on a 3,000-mile journey with it, right, I really don't care that much about what the car salesman has to say about the mechanics of that car, right? I want the mechanic who's been trained, who understands this particular type of car, who has experience and a proven track record in that car. Uh, another idea. Uh, imagine that I am experiencing health complications. Do I want the so-called medicine man that knows all of the mysterious medical remedies to be taking life-saving sa- measures on me? No. I want the Harvard graduate. I want the Harvard graduate who graduated top of his class and has performed this life-saving measure over and over and over again and is getting too much money in Boston. That's what I want. But let me ask you this. Why do we tend to treat religion differently? Why do we tend to follow the individual who tells the best stories and makes their way to the New York Times bestseller lists, and they make us cry but lack in any form of substance. We say, oh, but they made me feel good. Yeah, but, you know, I went to McDonald's the other day and had a burger and that made me feel good, but then two hours later my stomach was having a conversation with me saying, why did you do that to me? That's right. Why do we lay all religious claims on the table and say all are equally authoritative? Can they all be In religion, like anything else, credibility matters. And as we see, the credibility of Luke matters. But behind Luke's credibility is the credibility of Jesus because we want to know what Jesus said, whether it's true, whether it's not, whether or not what he said has the power to change our lives. That's what matters. So let's look at Luke's credentials. And I think as we look at them, we'll say to ourselves, he seems to have the right to speak. Uh, Credential number one, Luke was competent. He was an accomplished individual. He had a track record of careful precision. Remember Colossians 4.14, Paul tells us Luke was a physician. Do people tend to practice medicine long if they play fast and loose with the facts? No. no. I don't want anyone in medicine coming near me or one of my children or someone I love if they play fast and loose with the facts. There has to be a careful attention to detail. And as you look at this Gospel of Luke, you're going to be, I think, struck with how faithful he is, measured his historical approach to telling us about the life of Jesus. Here's another credential. This one's very important. Luke has a heart for people. Uh, When you listen to someone communicate with you, you want to know that they care about you and what they're talking about, right? Uh, He's unique in the New Testament because he is probably the only Gentile writer in the New Testament, which tells us a lot about the heart of God. God brought the Gentiles in through Jesus He welcomes them to salvation. He offers to them the full blessings of the promises of God. And so we see in Luke a heart for people. He shows a special care towards women and children and the down and out and those who are farthest from God. And by extension, that shows us the heart of God, that Jesus' message is for every person. Third, Luke lived his message. Now, we'll talk in a little bit about whether or not having a commitment to Jesus makes him an untrustworthy source of information. But for now, just consider this. He's not just telling us to follow Jesus. He is following Jesus and saying, it's worth it, I'm doing it, here's why it matters. So that's who's writing. Now we have to ask the question, what was his method? How do you go about it? Alistair Begg, who taught on this same bit of text, made a good point. In ancient times, writers did not write books that made their way onto New York Times bestseller lists. They did not have book covers, right? Right? So a lot of times you are marketed to through a book with some kind of picture that they assume is going to catch your eye, draw your attention, and regardless of the substance there within, you look at the cover and you say to yourself, I've got to read that, that looks interesting. In Luke's time, they carefully crafted a sentence, because everything was written in scrolls, you would unfurl that scroll just a little bit. You would read that first sentence and then you would make a decision on whether or not you're going to unfurl it more. So, Luke 1, to 1-4 is actually, in Greek, one long Greek sentence. Kent Hughes says this, Luke presented himself as a historian in a long Greek sentence that is considered to be the best styled sentence in the entire New Testament. What does he say in this sentence? Well, he explains his method. Let's look again at the first three verses, and we'll see if we can see it together. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also to write. So I'd say the first thing that we see is that Luke aligns his writing with historical precedents. Think about how problematic it would be if Luke began like this. I'm writing this account because everything, everybody else is getting it all wrong. They have no idea what they're talking about, and this is a tell-all book about Jesus. Hmm... Now, it might sell a a few more copies because I got to tell you, anytime anyone comes out with a tell all book, they make their way into the best selling list. We all like a little bit of scandal. But anytime I see someone writing a tell all, I'm asking myself the question why do they have an axe to grind? Luke's approach to the life of Jesus is much more academic and measured is essentially saying others have written good solid work on the life of jesus i stand on the shoulders of that precedence and i would like to contribute to the general understanding and perspective of jesus that's what a good researcher does good scholars acknowledge those who came before them and then they set out to add to the general pool of knowledge second method Luke relies on the foremost sources available to him. It's clear in that sentence, did you notice this? That Luke did not see Jesus. He was not a first generation eyewitness of Jesus. He was second generation, which means someone who saw Jesus told Luke about Jesus. In 1 John 1, we see what an eyewitness, first-generation experience was. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the words of life. That's first-generation. So Luke had to go back and explore the life of Jesus with first-generation individuals. And probably one of the most prominent first-generation individuals that he spoke to was mary the mother of our lord as you look through luke chapter 2 there's this refrain that's repeated a couple of times but mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart that's not the kind of information that you get outside of a intimate personal encounter with the person telling you the story Luke probably used all the sources available to him. Uh, As you look through Luke, if you compare it to Mark, you would actually see that a lot of Luke is quoting from Mark. There was also a, a likely chance that Matthew and Luke shared a similar source as they were writing their Gospels. He also knew the oral traditions. Luke adds stories into his Gospel that Matthew and Mark do not contain. Uh, Oral tradition is the idea that people committed to memory the words and events surrounding the life of Jesus. Now we think to ourselves, well, isn't that just a little bit shaky? I mean, have you guys ever played like a game of telephone uh, when you're just a kid and they'd start off with this sentence and somehow at the end of the sentence it becomes like discombobulated, doesn't sound anything like the beginning? i got to tell you, if we were relying on oral tradition today, we'd probably be a mess. Our memories aren't that good. I read a sentence and I walk away. 20 seconds later, I don't know what my name is. But these people had powerful abilities in retention. At the age of 13, to be bar mitzvah, a young Jewish boy would be able to, need to be able to quote the Old Testament from memory. And it wasn't just from start to finish. The rabbi would be like, start here and tell me. There's no chapters and verses. They just had to go. J. Gratian Mansion says this, stamped upon the tablet of the Jewish minds, the story of Jesus' words and deeds was for a time, at least as safe as those inscribed on stone or bronze. There's a lot of security in stone and bronze, aren't there? They had powerful ability to retain information. And if they had that powerful ability to retain information, if you're writing into that generation, guess what they could do if you got it wrong? They could call a foul. They could say, I don't remember it happening that way. Third, Luke was meticulous in his approach to writing this gospel. He says in verse 3, It seemed good to me. Also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account to you. Most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus was probably a patron who helped fund Luke's research. That was not uncommon during this day. He's not just writing this gospel to Theophilus. He's writing it to a large audience But as he sets this out, he says to the patron, look, I've been exhaustive. I've left no stone unturned. I've carefully arranged everything. And this should tell you a lot about Luke's Gospel, but I hope that you take a, a step beyond that and understand that this should tell you a lot about the Christian faith. What is it telling us? Well, think of it like this. Back in June, Katie and I joined Harry Fletcher's, Billy Graham Fletcher's, Holy Land Tour to Israel. Uh, And I understand that Harry's actually going to take another group in June. Uh, So, just got to say guys, go. It's going to be fantastic. We really enjoyed it. Now, one thing that was special about this trip, in terms of solidifying faith, right? Right? is I can look at the Bible, and the Bible purports certain historical details. I can hop onto a plane, I can set foot in the land of Israel, and I can actually step into the place where the Bible purported this happened. We might open up our Bibles and say to ourselves, well, that was a great story. Really kind of touched my heart. I love that story. But it's another thing altogether to be standing in the place where Jesus likely preached the world's greatest sermon that was ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying here? Christianity is reliable because it is history-dependent. It is history-dependent. It is a faith where a scientific mind like Luke can research and ask hard questions and find answers to his questions. Some faiths say to you, don't ask questions, just believe, but not Christianity, not biblical Christianity. There's a story, a famous story of New Testament scholarship where it recounts the early skepticism of famous archaeologists. Sir William Ramsey, regarding Luke's history. He set out to prove Luke full of holes, and in his inquiry, he came back with his mind completely changed to where later on in life he wrote this, Luke's history is unsurpassed in regard to its trustworthiness. What are you putting your faith in, your confidence in? Is it something that's (laughs) vettable? Can you really look into it and get into the underlying facts and say, could this really have happened? i got to tell you, when you believe in something like that, it stabilizes you when life gets hard. If you go into suffering or pain in the Christian life and you're only about 50% sure, you're not going to do so well in those moments. But if you know, and you're grounded in the Bible, and you know because you know because you know because you know, I'm not saying that suffering is going to be easy then. But you have that confidence that the God who is behind all the words of this Bible is real. And He's operating in your life. In fact, look with me at verse 4. I am writing that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. It turns out that Luke is not just a historian, but he's also a theologian. He writes because he wants us to look at the facts about Jesus and then draw the conclusion that this must really be real, which it builds confidence and assurance now, by placing our faith in Jesus, we can have our lives radically revolutionized. Now, I know the skeptical mind hears something like this and they say, Haha, I knew it. He's not objective. He has an agenda. I want you to listen closely to something. Can you do that with me? Okay. don't think about lunch. I know your stomach's starting to rumble or you're thinking about the lawn that you got to mow. Focus with me here. Everyone brings a perspective into their work everyone no one lives in a thought vacuum where they're just objective observers of everything and i don't really care about it i just i just know things no here's a second statement you can make a reliable case for something and still have a point of view It may even cause you to be more careful with the work because you care about what you are talking about. For example, while in Israel, our group paid a visit to the National Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. Now, this is a very important work. The Jews, as well as other countries, including the United States of America, have carefully gathered as much historical information and, and personal data as, as we can in order to accurately portray the events of the Holocaust. Uh, one particular site that will stay with me as long as I live was the Children's Memorial To capture the sense of loss for the 1.5 million Jewish children who were murdered during the Holocaust, the Jews have hollowed out uh, an underground cave and memorial candles are reflected in a dark and somber space creating the sensation that you're walking into uh, a night sky with over a million stars shining. And as you're walking through it, and you're contemplating the weight and the gravity of what happened, you hear the names of children, their ages, their country of origin. Is that spin? Is that bias? I don't think so. I I would submit to you that the Jews have carefully handled the facts of the holocaust and now they are presenting a perspective to us and the perspective is that was horrific it should never happen again we must remember lest we find ourselves repeating history friends luke has a message jesus is reliable You can take confidence that he is who he says he is. You can take confidence that Luke has painstakingly gathered the facts about the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, that he is portraying to us this powerful gospel, which means good news, and that if we would believe, place our faith, our confidence in this Jesus, then we would have our lives revolutionized. What is this gospel? The gospel is very clear that we have sinned, we've been separated from God, and without an intervention from God Himself coming to this earth, we would be lost. Jesus Himself says in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came, why? To seek and to save the lost. So I don't know where you are today in your faith. For some of you, you are convinced you're convinced you can be saved by Jesus you have been saved by Jesus and you're on that wonderful journey where you're walking with him foot by foot step by step and he's changing your life others are 50% sure 50% sure means unsure and I got to tell you that's okay to be unsure But you can't live in the land of unsure forever. You have to move. And the only way to move, I believe, is to get more invested into this story, to go deeper into it, and to believe that it's powerful truth. Others might say, well, this is just fanciful myth and fairy tales. And friend, keep an open mind. Open up your mind to the reality that it could be true. I hope all of us will take Jesus seriously. I mean, there must be something about this man... This Jesus who revolutionized history. And my prayer is that as this story unfolds, that we are going to see that everything that Luke says about Jesus is reliable. And if what he is saying about Jesus is reliable, and Jesus says, I am the only way to save you from your sins, then the gospel of Luke isn't just reliable, it's life-saving. So let's continue in this journey. Let's see... What Luke has to say to us. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer?